I'm your host, Rena Friedman-Watts, and this is the Better Call Daddy Show. Hey, this is Big Daddy, Wayne Friedman. That's my grandpa. Grandpa, you ready for more daddy drama? My dad is my number one hero and number one fan. And I'm a pretty cool dude. All right, season four, baby, here we go. More stories you're not going to believe. And maybe you will after you listen. Five stars. Five and a half stars, two thumbs up. You are a pretty cool dude. Love you, mommy. Don't stand on the table and damn the public. You'll get some words of wisdom to live by. Here we go again. Better call daddy. You know what your problem is? You like me. Yeah, I do. Each week, I interview a guest, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in at the end of every episode with his wisdom and wit. Thank Grandpa. Everyone from influential players to inspirational fathers and, of course, controversial people. Grandpa, my mom is calling. Creating that legacy one call at a time. And welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Stay tuned. Where's the music? Better call daddy cause he knows your best. Better call daddy cause he's bringing the test. He sees possibilities. Better call daddy, he'll be by your side. Better call daddy, you're the apple of his eye. He sees possibilities. Oh, Today's guest, Paul Hutchinson, is one of the primary investors and executive producers of The Sound of Freedom. The film highlights one of the largest child rescue missions in history, rescuing over 120 victims that were liberated in which Paul himself played a pivotal role. Paul is keeping God's dreams alive, protecting children of future generations right up my dad's alley. Paul, welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Excited to be on here. I'm actually in Latin America promoting the film down here and meeting with some great people. And so I stepped out of some meetings with some pastors. I said, I got an awesome podcast I'm jumping on. So here I am. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is a different background than what I've seen. (laughs) I'm in a different background almost every other week nowadays. So I tell them, look, I'll come and speak whatever country. You just got to make sure I have high speed Wi-Fi and a good background during my podcast. Okay. So here we are. Amazing. I heard you say that you were off social media for 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. I was running a lot of the undercover rescues and so I had no nothing. I pulled off my Facebook completely. I had some random little things on Instagram, maybe 30 followers was all, but nothing about this. And four months ago, went from that to, I think we have over 45 million views on all of my different podcasts I've been on and videos and whatnot just in the last four months. So, I'm super grateful for technology as we know it and allowing us to spread this message to the world. Have you had any hiccups with technology or learning along the way? Well, I still have no idea what my login is for my TikTok or my Instagram. I have no idea how other people handle that for me. <laughs> so, yeah, people that makes are like, sense. you should do, you should like do like live things during the day. I says, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Just... So, it'll come. Amazing. So, you went from being off social media for 10 years and then putting together a movie, The Sound of Freedom, and getting millions of views, and now you're touring internationally. Can you talk a little bit about the process of putting together that movie? 
Absolutely. Yeah. That came together while I was still doing a lot of undercover. The Homeland Security agent that was with us in the beginning, in fact, Jim Caviso plays him, wanted to go public, which was important because we knew that just rescuing 20 or even 100 children at a time was never going to fix the problem. We had to create a movement. And he he had the background. You know, He used to be a Homeland Security agent. He wanted to be on CNN, ABC, et cetera. So we said, great. At the time, and honestly, even now today, I am not a fan of having my face everywhere. It was a lot of pressure from a lot of people recently saying, no, Paul, you need to share your voice and your heart because it's going to inspire a lot of people. But back then, nine years ago, right after we did that rescue mission in Colombia, we decided that me and a bunch of other operators, we would stay undercover. We would continue to do the rescue missions. In fact, the movie was about eight different rescue missions that was brought together into one storyline. And we had to take like 50 or more heroes that are still hidden heroes that are still undercover and put them all into the just a few characters in the movie. And so, yes, those things happened. But most of them were spread out into different countries and different people. But we needed to show the world what was going on and what trafficking looked like so that we could all get together to eradicate this. So that's where things started there in the beginning. We went to Sony and Lionsgate, Paramount and others with this amazing story, but they wanted full control. They wanted to be able to change the storyline, however. And I'm like, no, this is an amazing storyline. This is real stuff. And I'm not going to give full control. Neither one of us wanted to give full control to somebody who was just, could do whatever they wanted, could table it. So we decided to do it privately. So I put the, I'm the primary investor in Sound of Freedom. First money in, developed the script and everything was written at my cabin. And from there, we finished the movie that you see today. We finished it five years ago but had some major pushback on distribution. And I thought, oh, nobody wants to distribute this film. Is it, it, am I the only person on the planet that thinks it's a good movie? And we realized there were some agendas behind those curtains in not wanting us to put it out. And so finally, it's a miracle. It came to the people by the people, a social media movement with millions of good people saying, no, I'm not going to be force fed what Hollywood wants me to see. I'm going to take my children to things that are going to make an impact in their lives and are going to change our perspective and are going to rescue millions of children. So that is super, that's the high level one. I can go into depth as to the actual rescue stories. I was there, not only did I help to finance it, but the producer of the movie, Eduardo Verosky, plays me in the film. So that part of Pablo, that the Homeland Security agent's like, oh, I, I need Jim Caviezel's like, I need to figure out how to get Pablo to fund this and we can make it happen. That's me in real life. And it wasn't funding and helping to fund the operation that changed my life. It was being there personally and with my own eyes, seeing what trafficking was. That changed everything for me. Tell me more about how that changed everything for you. In the movie, Jim Caviezel tries to get my character to convince me to go down there by giving a picture of this 11-year-old girl to my driver. And we're driving away. My driver says, hey, this package was left for you. And I open it up and it says, "You know, forget about the other 50 children. This one, this 11-year-old is being sold and had this picture. In reality, I was already there. 
I had gotten a phone call from the Homeland Security agent. He said, Paul, he said, I, I'm down here. I found 20 children, but I actually think there's more like 50 in Cartagena, more than 100 children in the other areas. I need your help. If I think we could rescue all of them. And I said, well, how much do you need? I was thinking he needed money. He said, I need you. Can you be in Colombia in two days? So, two days later, I'm face to face with the most evil people on the planet. And I'm sitting in this restaurant in Cartagena with these people that were selling children. Now, I've seen evil before, but that was a whole new level. And I thought, I thought that a child trafficker would have scars and tattoos on their faces and all these things. This was a beauty queen and a businessman and a guy running a modeling agency. These were guys that you wouldn't pick out as child traffickers that were selling kids. And it wasn't until the conversation started that you could see their cold, dark hearts. And I'm sitting there at this table negotiating this deal. Basically, the reason they wanted me to come down was this. One of the traffickers, his name was Edouard, and he was one of the businessmen, and he had a piece of property he wanted to develop into a child brothel sex resort. He needed about $8 million to build it out. He believed he could make tens of millions of dollars a year as a Jeffrey Epstein type of a place where he could have wealthy Americans come down and pay a $100,000 fee for a membership. It was horrible, this idea. And he had connections with other traffickers. And the goal was this, they needed to get him to call the other traffickers and get them to bring all their children together for the same day so that they could all be rescued. So the plan was, I fly down and I tell him, listen, I will fund your project under one condition. I'm coming down in a few weeks, bring in a bunch of my rich friends. They like this kind of stuff. And you bring all of your existing inventory. And if I'm happy, I'll fund your project because that'll tell me that you can provide the children needed to make this successful. Because our intel told us they already had over 50 children that they were selling. And so I'm sitting there negotiating this deal and halfway through this meeting, he leans forward. Actually, it's Fuego, this very bad man. He leans forward and he says, Pablo, he said, I have a gift for you. I said, really, what's your gift? And he leans forward and he hands me his phone. And there's a picture of an 11-year-old girl on his phone. He said, this is Princess. She's still a virgin. We just took delivery of some and she's my gift for your party. Start talking about horrible things I could do to this child. So again, in the movie, it was that picture that my driver gave me. In real life, I was already there. And him showing me her picture galvanized my commitment to make sure she got rescued. And something he said made me realize he had more than her. I said, Fuego, you have more virgin? Oh, yeah, I got three or four more. I said, you're bringing those to the party too, right? He goes, no. He says, they're too expensive. Now, at this point, I was legitimately mad and I couldn't show, I couldn't blow my cover, but I'm like, I said, what do you mean too expensive? He said, well, you're already paying 25,000 for this party. He says, you want to pay, you want to F those other virgins, it's going to cost you maybe 2,000, maybe 5,000 more for that little one. It's going to cost you maybe 10,000 more. He was talking about these children like they're commodities, right? I'm in a nice shirt. I've got a $50,000 watch on and I put my hands on my chest and I say, you don't think I can afford an extra $10,000? He said, oh no, hey, no. I said, I want every one of those virgins at my party. They damn well better be virgins when they get there. They're not for you. They're for me. And for my guys, you understand, oh yeah, they understand the stupid smile on his face. So fast forward, two weeks later, our guys had met with the US Embassy and the Colombia federal agents. They provided 40 agents for us, four of them were like our waiters and our maids and our cooks. 
they weren't very good cooks, but they're armed, right? And 25 of them are there to storm the party at the right time. And these guys showed up with 54 children. And these were, you know, ages 11 to 18. They would put them in this little side room area. There was a couple of them that were older as well, but they were trafficked. They were being sold by these people. And we put them in a separate place in the house because they were already traumatized enough. We didn't want them, you know, we don't want them seeing the guns and everything else as part of this. And so we put them in the separate place in the house and we're sitting there in front of this little palapa area. And one of the traffickers gets up and he said, Pablo, I'm going to show you the gifts that I brought you. Now, this was what transformed my whole life right here. He goes in the house where the children are and you could hear some of them crying scared to death. Now, they had given them drugs just to numb their thoughts and everything. You could tell when they were loading the children into the house and you could hear two of the kids crying. And then about 10 minutes later, he comes out and he has four virgins scared to death, three little girls, one little boy, this little boy, they gave him, he was 11. They gave him cocaine that morning because he was so scared it was going to hurt. What kind of effed up monster thinks that that's attractive? Right. Every cell in my body wanted to hug these kids and say, you're going to be fine. You're going to be, you're going to see your parents again. I couldn't say that. Right. I'm standing, I'm sitting on a chair, just like I am here. I'm sitting on a chair. They present this little girl, the same one he showed in that picture on his phone. Okay. So in the movie, that little girl he showed me on the phone didn't come to the party. We had to rescue her in, in the jungle area. In real life, the jungle was a completely separate team. It was a separate place. It was a separate child. But that really happened. In reality, she was there at that party. They stood her in front of me, standing up. She was no taller than I was as I was sitting down. And so our eyes were able to meet level. And I could see the terror in that little girl's eyes. And her makeup that they had put on had been smeared because she had been crying. And at that moment, I made a commitment to myself, to God, and to that child that I would do whatever resources I needed to put in to eradicate that from the face of the earth. There wasn't anything more evil I could think of. So that's a long answer to that question, but that's how that mission changed my life. And they weren't the most beautiful moment for me was after the agents came and stormed the party and arrested everybody and the child protective services people came in with the children and they started laughing and singing with the children to calm them down. And that sound of freedom was the most beautiful sound that I ever heard. That's why we named the movie The Sound of Freedom. Because comparing that laughter to the crying from less than half an hour before, I started bawling. And I turned to one of the operators and I said, I've spent my whole life making money and making other rich people richer. I want to make a difference. What do you need? And he said, Paul, he said, there's a huge demand for this horrible act in second and third world countries that comes from wealthy, well-spoken, big ego businessmen. He said, don't take this wrong, but they look and smell and act just like you. He said, I can't teach my Navy SEALs how to wear a nice watch and a nice suit and negotiate a multi-million dollar deal. And I don't know of any ultra successful business owners who've had the training that you've had. He said, if you're willing to be the bait, I'll change your whole life. So since that time, I have led 
or played a key part in over 70 undercover rescue missions in 15 countries. We let the Homeland Security agent take center stage. We let him be on CNN, ABC, face, 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 and even the movie itself. We took multiple rescue missions and put them all into that one character because he had the background, the credibility. The truth is there are Navy SEALs, Green Berets, amazing men and women who are still on the ground undercover, pulling these kids out, rescuing them, arresting pedophiles, taking down these networks. But I've decided that that's part of my past life. Now, my goal is to use my voice, my heart, my experiences to inspire people to do things that are going to keep their kids safe. I'm speechless right now. I cried during the movie. The hairs on my arms are raising right now. Oh, my God. How do we keep our kids safe? Here's what it is. A lot of people leave the movie and they say, okay, I'm, I'm motivated. I'm going to do something, right? Okay, yeah. I do. I want to I want to join you. I want to go undercover. You know, I'm going to go down to Columbia. I'm going to go find some kids. Yeah, you do that, you're going to get shot, right? And you're going to get arrested if you don't get shot. You know, that's the worst thing to do. The best thing to do is actually to go home and hug your kids. People are like, well, how's that going to help? Well, let me tell you, the majority of trafficking doesn't happen like you saw in the movie. Yes, that stuff happens, right? But the majority of trafficking comes from broken homes, runaways, a broken foster care program. These are all areas that kids are likely to be brought into trafficking. In addition to that, you would be amazed at how many children who are being sold for sex sleep in their own beds at night. People are like, what? Yeah, sleep in their own beds at night. You need to have a relationship with your children where they can come to you and say, hey, mom, dad, I don't feel comfortable with this one babysitter because she's showing me pornography and she tells us that we should trust her more than you. Or I don't feel comfortable going to this friend's house because her brother, you know, is doing some weird things and touching me weird and wanting me to go away with him. And or I don't feel comfortable when you make me hug Uncle Harry because of this or that. You need to love your kids, trust your kids, listen to your kids and have a relationship with them that they can come to you when those things are uncomfortable. And you need to have conversations with them about the dangers of Uncle Harry, of the neighbors, of a potential babysitter, of social media, of things that predators are looking to try to identify in them, looking down, having low self-esteem, being so focused on their phones, all of these things, right? So there's a myriad of different things that you can do as a parent to keep your kids safe. And understand this, and this is probably more important than any of it. Yes, there are millions of children who are being sold. Organ harvesting, sex trafficking, labor camps, these are millions of children that are being sold. However, there are billions who are at risk of something in their own home. Here's what it is. Literally, one in every four women who are listening to us right now, one in every four, have been a victim of sexual violence as a child, okay? Most of them in their own homes. Now, the problem is, is this, the average age that somebody comes out and says, these things happened to me as a child, the average age is 52 years old. That's my age. I have grandchildren right? I've built my career. I've raised my family. If people are holding on to the trauma at average of 52 years old, and a lot of them never, ever disclose it, then they've been holding this their entire life, coming out in anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, anger issues. And in some cases, some people 
transfer that trauma on in the form of physical abuse and verbal abuse and even sexual abuse of a child, right? And so here's what has to happen. We need to help people learn that what happened to them as a child does not define them today, especially you men who are listening to me today, okay? There's a big number, literally 20%, one in every five men have been a victim of sexual violence at some time in their life. And a huge percentage of them happened as a child. And if you're like, you know what? Yeah, my that happened to me as a child, but I don't want to tell anybody because that makes me less of a man. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You were eight, all right? There was some effed up person who was dealing with a lot of pain, a lot of anger, a lot of crap that was passing on that trauma to that child. That does not define you today. You are nothing less of a man because of what happened to you. But if you hold that pain in, if you hold that pain in, it's likely going to come out in unhealthy ways. It'll come out in unhealthy sexual relationships where you're so badly wanting to try to prove to the world that you weren't gay because this guy touched you when you're eight and so you're effing every woman out there, okay? There's all kinds of unhealthy behaviors that come from that. And two-thirds of you, God bless you. You don't pass that trauma on. You become a protector of children. However, one out of every three men who have had that kind of abuse as a child end up becoming contact offenders. Okay, so we need to come from a place of compassion and love those young adults and you love those young men who have dealt with that kind of stuff. Help them shed that, help them get through that so that they never, ever have the chance of passing it on. By doing that, we will save millions of children, millions, the ones in our own home and the ones who are being trafficked because somebody doesn't just grow up and decide they want to go to Columbia an F a 12 year old. There's a lot of bad things that happened to them and a lot of bad decisions that they made that took them down that road. We need to love them before that chain ever gets to that point. And that way we will truly, truly make a magnificent impact globally in changing that generational trauma trend. Are you getting to talk to some of these offenders? I realize this. People ask me all the time. They say, Paul, how can you go face-to-face, 70 missions, face-to-face, not the guys that show up later with the cameras and say, hey, this is what happened. I'm talking, I was two in the morning in downtown Port-au-Prince, Haiti, right? Face-to-face with somebody selling you a child. And then they say, how can you go face-to-face with them and not have them see the anger and the hatred in your eyes? And my answer surprises them and makes some people mad. It's because I don't hate them. Oh, you, oh, they're selling you a child. How can you not? Now, I will do everything in my power to ensure they never hurt innocence again. However, the thing I wish is that I had a time machine and I could go back five and 10 years before they ever crossed that line and figured out what was going on in their life that made them think that it was okay to go down that road, right? And if we could catch them way back there, then we could help them transform their lives. Well, we don't have time machines, but what we do have is literally hundreds of millions of people on this earth who, if they don't get the help that they need, if they don't shed that trauma, if they hold on to that, that they will eventually pass that trauma on. That's the demographic we need to focus on. And yes, I've spoken to a lot of them. In fact, in a couple of weeks, I'm going back in to speak to the prison system, right? 
These are broken, broken people who should never get out. But there's some light in there somewhere. Now, I'm not going to lessen their sentences. I'm going to make sure that they never hurt innocence again. However, I can help them see that all of us come from a degree of being broken at some point. All of us, you know, even myself, I am not perfect, right? I'm on my third marriage, right? Judge me, judge me. I effed up plenty of times to get to the point where I finally figured my shit out, right? And all of us have to take a hard look at our life and say, who am I? And am I defined by what happened five and 10 years ago? Or can I shed that trauma of what happened to me or even bad choices that I made and come to a place of integrity and love and peace and honor in all areas of my life? Didn't you take your last wife away from Superman? Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite story. <laughs> That's right. So this is my favorite story. And you know what? When I'm speaking in like in front of groups, I can talk about the rescue missions there. You know, when I say this one, I get a scanning ovation, right? Okay. This is the best one everywhere. So Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill is the actor who plays Superman, right? He's he's a badass, right? I mean, he's got pecs way bigger than mine, shoulders way bigger than mine. He's a honk. I don't call him a honk, but my daughter-in-law, you know, my 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 son's wife, she was talking to my wife and she's like, no, wait a minute. No, I, I love dad, but you were dating, you were dating Henry Cavill? Right? Now, it wasn't like a big date thing. I mean, he had been to her work every day for months and they started dating. They were on like three or four dates. And, and then she met me. I stole Superman's girlfriend. What? <laughs> so, there's my mic drop. So, where's the promo? <laughs> that's the promo right now. So, yeah, my daughter-in-law, she's like, now, I understand. I love dad, but, you know, Henry, he's like hot. My brother-in-law, he says, yeah, you know, Henry, Henry's not a very good actor. All he does is just sit there and flex his pecs. And my new daughter-in-law said, yeah. <laughs> so, sweet. anyway, yeah, my wife is out of Vanessa, H-A-D-A, out of Vanessa. She's the executive director of the Child Liberation Foundation. You can go to liberatechildren.org, get lots of information there. She's an actress here in Colombia, and she just did her first big U.S. movie last year. She's an assassin who kills assassins. It's super awesome. It's called La Soga Salvation. But... Anyway, she's now full-time focused on philanthropy and rescuing the, and the rehabilitation of the kids and building out some additions on the safe houses and healing retreats, et cetera. So we Do you help with Haiti. role play? <laughs> yeah, I told her. I says, oh, in the movies and stuff. Actually, here's the thing. Her last movie where she was being an assassin who killed assassins, I actually trained her. I did every single weapon that she was using in there. I trained her on the use of that weapon in real life. And she got good. She got really good in real life with shooting at 100 yards, shooting at a mile. She got really good at, at the hand-to-hand -hand combat stuff. All of the things that I learned for many, many decades, I taught her so that when she was doing the movie, it was a natural. She was already there. So yeah, that was super fun. <laughs> That's cute. Are you teaching your kids that too? Oh uh, yeah. My kids are all trained in Krav Maga. In fact, my daughter... It's actually her daughter is mine now. She's like 24. We say she's 90 and nine at the same time. She's as wise as any 90-year-old. She's a super magnificent, holistic healer, does healing retreats and guided meditations. But she's as naive as a 12-year-old. And so she wanted to go to Peru, El Salvador, and a bunch of places all on her own. And I'm like, sweetie. And I says, I need to send some security with you. She goes, dad. She said, take out the training mitts. I'm like, Okay. I didn't see because she's been training a bunch. I didn't know how much she'd been training. So I said, all right, hit this. And she's short, right? And I put it up here above my head and she didn't hit it. 
she jumped up and kicked it. Now I'm six foot tall and she's like four nothing, right? No, she's five nothing, but she boom, she nailed it and back and forth, back and forth and back. And I'm like, all right, girl, you got this. <laughs> I don't envy anybody who tries to jump you. <laughs> Beat the crap out of them. That's sweet. I love that. I am curious, how has your relationship with God changed through the work that you've done? That has been the most magnificent of anything. First of all, every single mission. I wasn't following logic and protocol. I truly believe, truly believe that I was being led, our team was being led in places to keep us safe, in places where the children were being held every single time. In fact, I remember one time I was introduced to a new team. They hadn't worked with me before. There's a bunch of Navy SEALs, Green Berets, they're big, you know, they have big arms and tattoos all over. And I, you know, I'm just me. I'm like, whatever. And we're out and we hadn't found any connections. So it was about two in the morning. And I said, guys, can I take lead? Are you good with that? And they said, yeah, yeah. They, I hear you're really good at this. I'll see what you do. I said, all right. I said, you need to follow exactly what I say. I said, first things first, this is not a religious discussion, but I need you to understand that I believe in God. I said, most people believe in a supreme being and everybody fights over who's the supreme being. It's the same guy, right? I don't care if you call it the universe or Allah or Jehovah or God, whatever. There's this creator that created it all, period. God exists and cares more about these children than you and I ever could, is what I told these seals. I said, and knows exactly where they are. So if you're okay with it, or even if you're not okay with it, I'm going to start out by asking for some help. So here we are, 2 a.m., you know, dark, dangerous city and take off our hats and offer up a prayer. And then I said, I need you to understand that every single person is born with the light of truth. Every one of us, some people call it intuition or, you know, a prompting or whatever else. It's this knowing this power of God that is leading us in our lives. And when you quiet your mind and shut off all the crap and learn how to listen, it will guide you in every area. Now, the problem is, is you have to have unwavering conviction, unwavering faith. The problem is most people don't have unwavering faith about anything. You know, should I marry this woman? Should I start this new job? Whatever. It's because they think, I don't know if God wants me to do this. When it comes to finding the children, I don't care if God's a mountain or a, or a cloud or a universe. There's no God anywhere that's okay with a child being raped. So it was easy for me to have unwavering conviction that we were going to find these children. And so I explained this to these seals. They're like, okay, dude, whatever. I said, okay, just drive, drive. And I'm just listening. I said, okay, stop right there. He said, that black alley, the motorcycle, yeah, right there. What are you going to do? That guy knows something. I could feel it. And this happens every single time. I can feel the guys who, this is only happens if you're in tune and you're listening. In fact, I have a book that'll be coming out later this year. It's called, Are You Listening? Not are you listening with my hands on my ear, but are you listening with my hands on my heart? And not only teaching how every one of these missions were led that way, but teaching how every one of us can get through life and have that connection with our creator, with God, that will literally transform your lives. And unfortunately, so many of us were led to believe that God is a hateful, judgmental, vengeful person that's, no, God loves you. And you don't have to go through somebody to have that relationship. Yes, your pastor, your bishop, your church leaders, they can create some beautiful guidance, okay? I'm not going to cut down religion. But what I will say is that every single person can have that connection 
personally, personally for their own lives. And that's the biggest thing that I learned. When I saw that first child being sold, I had two choices to make. Do I curse God or do I turn to God? And I chose the second. Amazing. Do you feel like since you have that loving relationship with God that you're able to then love others because of that? Like you said that you don't view these perpetrators where you hate them even. It's the only way to heal yourself and to heal humanity. So the answer is absolutely yes. Yes. God's love can heal yourself and can heal others through you. It is the only thing that can. It is the only thing that can. I realized that if I'm ever, ever, ever judging another human being, ever, whether it's for selling me an eight-year-old or cutting me off on the freeway, if I'm ever judging another human being, there is a 100% chance that I don't have all the facts. There's only one person in the universe that knows everything about what's going on, and that isn't me, not even close, right? There's a 100% chance that I don't have all the facts to make that judgment. I don't know if that guy cutting me off on the freeway, I don't know if his wife is in the hospital. He might just be an asshole. I don't know, but I'm not going to judge him because I don't know, right? I don't know if that guy selling me a child, I don't know if he was raped as a child. He probably was. There's probably a thousand bad things that happened there. I don't know what was happening in his life, right? So I can't judge. I can preserve innocence. And this is important. You can put somebody behind bars from a place of compassion, right? You can preserve innocence. I can make sure that that person doesn't use their free will to destroy another life. However, I can do so from a place of compassion. I don't have to do so from a place of hate. And that's what's important. People get this confused all the time. Oh, you can't just have free love and love everybody because then the bad people are going to trample over the others. No, you can do it. You can. You can do it from a place of compassion, but from a place of protecting innocence. That's what's important. And you can do it. You can do it with God's love expanding from you, from God, through your heart, through your body, through your words to other people and help them see. The power boy. Yeah, it comes from within, but you can help them see. You can put them in front of the mirror and say, do you see God in you? Do you see that? If they can start to see that divinity inside, they can begin to heal and they can begin to pass that healing on to others. Have you seen any breakthroughs like that? Oh, millions. There's so many people. And here's what's beautiful. If you take the time to help yourself heal, let's say it takes you an entire year to shed your trauma of what happened in your past and get a relationship with God that you're on the right track, you're living a life of integrity in business and in bed, right? In these every year of your life, you're living this life. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to take the next year and I'm going to take my spare time and I'm going to find two people and love them have God's love through, flow through me to them to help them heal. And it takes an entire year to help those two people heal. And the next year, they pass that on and they each help two more people. Now, you're really only a handful of people that have healed after three years. Do you realize after 33 years, you've helped over 8 billion people, the entire planet? This is one lifetime. Now, if you don't take an entire year, if it takes a month or two, it's only a matter of a few years where that can spread. What I'm saying is this, let God's light shine 
through you, heal you, and then help others heal. And in reality, we will see a global transformation in your lifetime. We will raise the frequency, the consciousness of all mankind, and you will see it in your lifetime if we can change that. I like it. The world definitely needs that. I have one fun question for you. Sure. If someone else were to want to put together a movie, like I feel like so many people want to do that, what would you tell them? They probably should. Here's the deal. From an investment standpoint, yeah, I was a real estate investor for many years and I didn't invest in this movie because it was going to make money, right? That's like saying I'm going to invest in the slot machines in Vegas and make money. No, you know, it's, it's, it's not a very good investment, but the purpose was to create a movement. I knew that there was so much control within Hollywood that's just forcing us to their agendas of the things that they think they need to move society towards, right? And this was something that needed to create a movement, which it did. And so in terms of not only movies, but what you're doing too as well, Rena, is, is back at the time of Abraham Lincoln, before the Civil War, it wasn't the guys rescuing the slaves that created the biggest difference. It was people like you. Harriet Beecher Stowe, she wrote a book called Uncle Tom's Cabin, which was the media of the age. It was the podcast of the age, right? And many, many millions of good people read her book and decided that by doing so, they were like, wow, I didn't realize that was what was happening in the South and slavery, et cetera. And it created a movement. In fact, years later, when Abraham Lincoln met her, he shook her hand. He said, so you're the little lady that wrote the book that started the big war, right? So today, our goal isn't to create a war with guns and everybody rising up. Our goal is to create a movement of good people standing up against this crap and, Hell yeah. and, and making it so that we can keep our kids safe and we can move the agenda in the right direction with the right information coming into our families and us taking control as to how we want to raise our children. That what need, that's what needs to happen is this, this movie needs to open up dialogue. That dialogue two years ago, it wasn't polite to have a conversation over dinner about child trafficking or sexual abuse, right? This movie opens up that dialogue. So now we can say, okay, let's talk about this. Really what's going on? And then what do we need to do to keep our kids safe? Oh my God. Yes. I absolutely love what you said. And thank you for saying that I'm part of that movement. I really appreciate that and take that as kind of a blessing. That is so nice of you to say. I am trying to start a movement. And another thing that you said in the beginning that I also really resonated with was you didn't want Hollywood to have freaking control. And if you create your own platform and if you tell the story in the way that you want, you control the narrative. And I freaking love that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we need to do. You need to create content that is good, that is inspiring, that is changing lives for the better. That's where the future is, is content creation. Maybe not a full movie, but what you're doing right now, the most powerful people on earth is not the president, isn't big church leaders, is people like Joe Rogan, right? He's got more eyeballs in one episode than the Super Bowl, right? There's some power in having a platform and creating content. So that's what you should do is create good content, just like what you're doing and spread that message of truth, love, light, 
and healing to the world. I love it. Thank you so much. When can we expect Are You Listening? <laughs> we have a couple coming out. I have one coming out that's talking about the story behind The Sound of Freedom that should be coming out very soon. It's part of the Child Liberation series. And I actually was almost done with Are You Listening? And everybody said, Paul, you need to write the story behind Sound of Freedom first. Oh, okay. So that one's almost done and that'll come out soon. Then Are You Listening will be coming out later this year. There's a lot of people that are wanting to write books about this and whatever. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm just speaking and I'm sharing from my heart. I've never written a book before, but everybody that's read it just cries and said that's super inspiring. So I'm, I'm excited for those to come out. And you can follow up. Just follow me. Follow me on Liberating Humanity. Every one of the my podcasts and everything, my podcast is Liberating Humanity. Social media is just type in Liberating. I come up first, Liberating.Humanity. Or you can go to the Child Liberation Foundation by going to LiberateChildren.org. So Liberating Humanity or just Liberate Children. And you can, we'll, we'll let you know when all, all of that's come. I may even come back on your show when it comes out. We can talk about it then. I would absolutely be honored and thrilled if you would do that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karina. Super grateful for the time with you and with your audience. Thank you. You're amazing. God bless you. You've heard from my mom. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. This is a hot topic. Well, I think what Paul Hutchinson has revealed is almost like what God's essence of mankind is all about. And it's a little bit about what our show is trying to point out as well, is the legacy of future. And what is the definition? Is saving the children. It's loving your children. It's passing on the torch to your children. And that's part of why things can go on for thousands and thousands of years, is because the way we live forever is through your children, and your children's children. This is God's message. And until we value our children and our children's children as the number one treasure of life, and that until we treasure every moment of their development and do it right, it's almost like uh, Groundhog Day, where we just keep living it over and over and over again until we get it right. We're just trapped in a endless story where we don't seem to get anywhere until we can figure it out and get it right. And the answer is, how do we protect and develop our children so that the world will have the type of future that God has intended? So Paul is a superhero because he is there at any sacrifice even his own life, to save his children or all children. He's willing to put his life on the line to save all children. All right. I think you liked that. I did. It was quite moving. And the fact is, is that what came out of this dilemma as well is that a lot of these people that abuse children are people who have been abused themselves and where nobody has valued them in their life. And that's what has been passed on. And we have to break that. We have to break that and torch that. And look at the compassion that he has for all the victims in this story. He even has sympathy for the people that 
have been wronged with their lives. And he wants to try to break that cycle even for them so that they can love their children and their children's children and their children's children. And that's really the key. That is really the key of maybe getting out of Groundhog Day. Thanks for listening. Now I think I'm going to go call my dad. (laughs) I'll say goodbye and see you the next time. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy show. Join us weekly for new episodes and more daddy wisdom. Better Call Daddy is good advice always. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. You can also find special episodes on my YouTube channel. And you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, or your preferred podcatcher. That's a wrap for now. 